If we belong to Jesus, our lifestyle is walking by the Spirit and crucifying the flesh. Hey, God bless everybody. Welcome to another episode of Unlocking Scripture. I'm your host, Justin Torres. Today, I wanted to talk to you about what the Bible says regarding the flesh and how you can crucify the flesh daily. We're going to take a look at the Bible and what the Word of God says so that way we can be able to be better equipped in our battle with the desires of the flesh. So this is mainly a study that's going to be out of the book of Romans, Romans chapter 6. That's where we're mainly going to be focused on. And going back and forth between Romans 6 and Galatians, mainly Galatians chapter 5. Um, you know, these two chapters really speak a lot to the subject and they complement one another and they give us a lot of insight as to what we can do and what tools we can have in our arsenal to combat the flesh. Because at the end of the day, you know, the way we look at the Bible, we see that we're made new creations in Christ. When we come to know Jesus, he sets us free. We're made new. There's no condemnation condemnation for those who are in Christ. But the reality is, is that even though we're set free from sin, the presence of sin still exists in the world. And there's still a fleshly body that we have to fight and deal with pretty much every single day. So how can we be more effective in combating the flesh? That answer really is to learn how to crucify the flesh. That's really what Jesus calls us to do is to carry our cross and to follow him. And that's how we become his disciples is um, when we understand what it means not only to crucify the flesh, but to pick up our cross and to follow him. I think the first thing that we should do before we even continue is just open up our Bibles and take a, a moment to understand what the works of the flesh are. And let's see what the Bible says. This is Galatians, and this is coming out of chapter 5, verse 19. It says, The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So this is a very strong passage. It says at the end that anyone who lives like this won't inherit the kingdom of God. There's only two destinations in eternity. No matter what anyone wants to say, the Bible only gives us two places, heaven and hell. And this is very clear that if we choose a lifestyle of the flesh, there's a destination that awaits. And that unfortunate destination is hell. And that's a harsh verse that's very difficult to, to kind of take in. But it's only difficult to take in when you don't understand the saving grace of Jesus Christ. The Bible, if anything, talks so much about the love of God. And his mercy. But it's up to us to decide on, on choosing him. So when we look at this passage, Galatians 5, 19 to 21, it says the acts of the flesh are obvious. So these are things that we do or characteristics that we have that are obvious to ourselves and to other people. These are things that manifest themselves. That you can see, for example, sexual immorality is something that you can see. Um, it's something that can be witnessed and debauchery or, or drunkenness. Those are things that can be seen and they can be witnessed, but they can also be harbored in our hearts. And that's why Jesus says that he is the God that searches both minds and hearts. So 
even though these are things that reflect on the outside, we have to examine our heart on what's on the inside and learn to present our hearts before God so that he can cleanse us of these things. So just understanding what the flesh is, we have to understand how to walk by the spirit. If you tuned into our last episode, that's what we talked about. It was learning how to walk by the spirit so that we don't gra- so that way we don't gratify the desires of the flesh. We're going to take a look at Romans 6. And this is going to give us a clear picture on who we are to be as Christians because before Christ, we were obedient to our our fleshly passions, whatever it was. I'm sure many of you can recall what some of those things were in your life, whether it was drunkenness or idolatry, whatever the case is, before we were obedient to Christ, we were obedient to our sin. And when we're obedient to sin, we become a slave of sin. Romans 6 gives us a picture as that as to how it means to be transformed between your old person, your old sinful nature, to now taking on the new nature of Christ, which is to be dead to sin and alive to God. And when we just, before we even get there, before, when we look at Romans 5, just taking that in one more time. When it talks about the flesh, for example, sexual morality, impurity, idolatry, these are mainly categories if we really think about it because there are so many other layers of sin that fall underneath these categories. For example, idolatry. Idolatry can be worshiping a false god, but it can also be putting something as simple as a hobby before God, putting a person in your life before God. So these are categories if you really want to think about it. You look at sexual morality. There's plenty of ways to sin sexually, not just one. So there's layers to this and categories. So there's a lot to put to death, and there's only one way to do it, and that's by learning how to walk by the Spirit. So we're going to read Romans chapter 6. And again, the context of this passage is that we're dead to sin when we accept Jesus and we're made alive in Christ. So Romans 6, 1 says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So here we go right off the bat. Before we continue, it gives us a clear picture that when we accept Jesus in our heart, that old man dies in baptism waters, basically signifying that that old man went with Christ on the cross. And when Jesus resurrected from the dead, I also came out of that with him as a new creation in Christ Jesus. He gives us newness of life. And that's why he did it. Verse four, we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So that is the key context there is that we need to walk in newness of life. That's the first step on learning how to crucify this flesh is understanding that you have a new identity in Christ Jesus. You have a new life in him and that you're no longer to yield to that old passion, that old desire, that old man. What the old man wanted is now dead in baptism waters. Now we yield ourselves to the spirit. We yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit of God, walking in newness of life. Verse 5, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, 
we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So this goes back to what we just mentioned a little while ago is that when we come to Jesus, we accept him as Lord and we place him as Lord of, of our life. We die to sin and we take on this new nature. And it's because of him that we're able to live righteous. It's because he gives us a spirit that allows transformation and sanctification in our life. But notice here that it says that we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So it doesn't mention that the presence of sin or the struggle of sin is ever removed. The power of sin is what's conquered. But we will still battle with sin. We will still battle with temptation. The flesh will still rise up against us. We live in a fallen world. And at the end of the day, this is all going to be changed. We're going to live in a new heaven, a new earth. But while we are here in the body, we have a battle with the flesh and a battle with sin. But it says here that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin, this body that you see before you, might be brought to nothing, meaning that the power of sin that lived within me no longer has that same power. Now, through the Spirit of God that lives in me, I have the ability to conquer the temptations that I dealt with. I have the ability to have authority over the things that used to bind me. Praise God for that, that he gives us that ability by the power of his Holy Spirit. See, that's why the Bible says that greater is he that is within you than he that's within the world, because in our own flesh, we can't do this. We can't set ourselves free. We all need a savior. And it's Jesus. Jesus is the only way to God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only person that can set us free from sin because he conquered it. it. says that he took the keys of death. So he gives us the ability to conquer sin through him because he brought down the body of sin to be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. But instead, we can yield ourselves to him and become slaves of righteousness. So verse 7 says, For the one or for one who has died has been set free from sin. I want everybody to just pay attention to that verse. And if you're following along your Bible, just highlight it here. It says, For one who has died has been set free from sin. What does that actually mean? I'll give you a clear example of what that means. This is coming out of Galatians 2.20. A lot of us know it. But it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And that's what that means, that you die to yourself. You're no longer living life for yourself. You're no longer living life obedient to your fleshly passions and to your own will. But instead, you yield yourself to the will of God and to the Holy Spirit. And he transforms you. And we live our lives unto God. So verse 7 again on, on Romans 6, 7, it says, For one who has died has been set free from sin. You're set free from sin because you no longer live in obedience to who you used to be, to your old man, to your old will. But instead, you live in obedience to Christ Jesus. The Bible says that he who the Son sets free is free indeed. And it's by submitting ourselves to him. 
verse 8. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Just like I said earlier, having newness of life. Verse 9, we know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. That's the key verse. Verse 11, you must also, you also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. If you want to crucify the flesh, if you want to live a life that is led by the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, consider yourself dead to sin and alive to Christ. That is the theme of this whole entire passage of Romans is that as we come to Jesus, we are made new creations in him, but we also have a responsibility to keep the old man in the grave that we left him in. Don't resurrect that man. When you submit yourself to the flesh, you bring that man back out and he resurrects again and you struggle with him again. Keep him in the baptism waters by crucifying the flesh, by carrying your cross and by submitting yourself and yielding to the Holy Spirit. Verse 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. So notice how it says here, there's two words, is reign, which is to have governance, which is to be able to exercise its will, but not just in any, any part of you. It says in your mortal body. Because when we looked at what the flesh says, it says the work of the flesh are evident. Drunkenness, you need your body to commit drunkenness. You can commit it in your heart. You can commit it in your, in your, your mind, which Jesus addresses that too. When he, when he talks about looking at a woman with lust, he says you already commit adultery with her if you did it in your heart. So you can still lust after things and still commit sin, but your body exercises that sin. So what it says here is that we're not, we're not to allow sin to reign in us, meaning to have control and have dominion in us, to make us obey the passions that we have. Instead, we're to put those things to death. So verse 12 again, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. So in the past, we used to obey our flesh. We used to obey whatever our will was, whatever our passions were. But instead now we're to put those things to death. And the members that we have, our body, we're supposed to present it over to God now as instruments of righteousness. The Bible says to present yourself over as a living sacrifice to God because our body is no longer our own. It belongs to Jesus. So that's another step of crucifying the flesh is to take your body and present it to the Lord and say, God, this is yours. My body is yours and I'm here to obey you. And we'll get to some of those steps in a minute, but that's just a preview of what's to come. So back to verse 13. Actually, this will we'll go to 14. It says, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under grace. What then are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one 
whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you, who were once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations, for just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. So it makes it clear. Serving sin makes you a slave to sin. You don't own sin slave uh, sorry um, sin starts to own you remember you don't own sin it will then start to own you so we need to be conscious of when sin tries to arise and it rises through the flesh the desires of the flesh not everything is actually a demon you're going to have temptations coming from demons we have authority to trample on snakes and scorpions but the flesh will rise too and if you read the letter of James, it talks about that. God doesn't tempt anyone. We're being tempted by our own passions and desires. Read that. Letter of James talks about it. So we have to learn how to put these things to death. This is how we do it. Galatians chapter 5 is going to give us all the tips that we need, starting on verse 16 through 25. It says, so I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So that's what we need to do is walk by the spirit. If you listen to our last episode, we get into detail on how to walk by the spirit. But to give you some tips right off the bat, get in your prayer closet, study your word, have accountability in your life. But seek God. When you take time to seek God out, you're going to find them. He promises that to you, that you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. So when you seek God, you're going to find them. When you pray, ask God to cleanse you of sin. When you read your Bible, ask the Holy Spirit to give you revelation of his word. As you're repeating that process, you're walking by the Spirit. When that becomes your lifestyle, that's a lifestyle of walking by the Spirit, being led by him, obeying him, and following his lead and influence. That's walking by the Spirit. When you're doing that, when you're making that kind of lifestyle, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh because those two things can't be in the same room. It's basically like trying to have light and darkness in the same exact room. Light is going to overtake darkness. So the same thing, when you're walking by the Spirit, it's going to cause the flesh to die. But when you're submitting to the flesh, the same thing. It's going to cause the Spirit to be repressed or suppressed, sorry. So you have to sow into the spirit. You can read about that more in Romans chapter 8, where it gets a lot into a life by the spirit and a life by the flesh. So verse 17 on Galatians again, it says, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. 
So that's your answer. Walk by the spirit. You walk by the spirit and the flesh cannot be present at that moment because they are contrary to one another. But re remember that the flesh and the spirit are at war with each other. So there's going to be times that the flesh rises. There's going to be times the spirit rises. Our responsibility is to sow into the spirit. So we looked earlier about what the acts of the flesh are. But if we skip down to verse 22, we're going to see what the fruit of the spirit is. When we walk by the spirit, it leads us here, which is verse 22. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Our end goal is to bear fruit. As we're walking by the Spirit, that end goal leads us to bearing fruit. Not fruits with an S, fruit, singular, because when you read verse 22, it is one fruit, and we're to have all of that fruit. But verse 24 says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions. If you belong to Christ Jesus, you have already crucified the flesh, but this is actually a continuous thing. You crucified the flesh once when you accepted him, but now we're to carry across daily. And as we carry across daily, we're constantly putting down the flesh, constantly putting the flesh to die. So if we belong to Jesus, our lifestyle is walking by the spirit and crucifying the flesh, submitting ourselves to God. And then verse 25 confirms this when it says, since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. To keep in step with something means to always maintain that, to maintain walking by the spirit, to maintain a lifestyle living by the spirit. And now let's talk a little bit about how to crucify the flesh. So we understand what the Bible says about it, but we need to take a moment to dive a little bit deeper onto the practicality of crucifying our flesh on a daily basis. This is the first way. The first thing we need to do is to recognize that we are dead to our old man. The old man no longer exists. It's always going to try to rise up again. He's going to try to resurrect. She's going to try to resurrect. But you don't have to identify with the old you anymore. The Bible says that anyone who has come to Jesus has been made a new creation. It also says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So no matter what the enemy tries to throw at you to try to make you identify with this old person, you haven't made a new creation and there is no condemnation for you. Romans 6, 6, it says, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. It, it speaks of the conscience here. It says we know that our old self was crucified with him. So it's not a guessing game. We know the old person is crucified with Jesus. I'm not the old Justin. I am a new creation in Christ because God set me free and he set you free. The second thing is to recognize who you belong to, that you belong to Jesus Christ, that he is your Lord, that he is your God, and he is the center of your life. That's who he needs to be in your life. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, 
but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So Paul is saying, this Paul that you know, consider him dead because I don't even live my life for myself. I live my life straight for the glory and purposes of God. I live it for him. This life that I live in the body, I live it in faith to Jesus, who loved me and gave himself for me. But I've been crucified. The old me, he's on the cross. And he, he died in baptism waters. But this new life that I live, I live it in faith in the Son of God. So that's who you are today. If you want to crucify the flesh, you can't identify with that old man that was buried in baptism waters. Instead, you have to identify with your new identity in Christ Jesus. That you are more than a conqueror. That you are a son and daughter who is loved by God and has a new identity in him, a holy identity in Christ Jesus. So recognize who you belong to and crucify the old you. The third thing is to submit yourself to God. So once you understand that you are not the same person, you are dead to your old man, you belong to Jesus. Now you have to submit to Jesus. Walk a life that is submitted and pleasing to him, that is obedient to him. Galatians 5.1, it says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So be set free, but don't give yourself over again to that same yoke of slavery that used to tie you down. Nowadays in the church, too many people are bound by things that they have authority over. If Christ has already set you free, stand firm and don't submit again to that yoke of slavery. You have been set free. You're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. You can get past these things. How do you do that? Now, there's the fourth one. Renew your mind in the word. You have to be in the Bible. Don't study it for the sake of head knowledge. Allow the word of God to come into your heart and to start transforming you. If all you're doing is reading the Bible just to get good at memorizing scripture, but there's no application behind it, it's just head knowledge. But if you study the word of God to know God, to get closer to God, he's going to bring about transformation in your life. This is Romans 12, too. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Notice that it says be transformed. It does not say be educated. Be transformed. The word of God is not a book of head knowledge. It is, a, it is the scripture, the, the living word of God that's made to transform you and to make you like Jesus. So be transformed by the renewing of your mind, not merely educated, and don't be conformed to the world. You have been pulled out of the world, so now submit yourself to God. The fifth thing is to now set your mind on the Spirit. Romans 8, 6, and 7, it says, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. If you're living in the flesh, you can't please God. But everything starts in the mind. So we have to present our mind over to Jesus. The Bible says to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Have the mind of Christ. Come to him. Ask him for the mind of Christ. Ask him to take your thoughts captive and start to focus your mind on things that please him. The Bible teaches us on, on what to think in Philippians. It teaches us to set our minds to things that are above in the, in the letter of Colossians. There's so much the word of God has to say about this. 
and Jesus searches our minds and our thoughts. So have thoughts that are aligned with the word. Get the thoughts of this world out of your mind. Get the desires of the flesh and the things that you struggle with. Don't entertain those desires. Get them out of your mind and instead focus on God. Focus on his word and you'll have peace. And then last but not least is to carry your cross. So Mark 8.34 says, And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Jesus gives us the key right there of crucifying the flesh is to deny yourself. How do you deny yourself? The same way when we go back to the first tip was recognizing that the old you is dead and not following in, in those passions, not submitting yourself to those desires and not living in obedience to yourself, but in living in obedience to Jesus. That's carrying your cross, taking up that sinful nature and following him and not following your own passions and desires. So with all these combined, you'll be able to crucify the flesh as it rises up against you. Crucifying the flesh is knowing who you are in Christ Jesus, knowing what the word of God says about the flesh, about sin, and being able to trample on it when it rises up. You can't take your skin and nail it to a cross. If you do, that's probably not a good idea. But what the Bible teaches us about crucifying the flesh is denying yourself, dying to your sinful nature, and putting to death those passions. So get into your word. Get into what the Bible says. Don't be educated. Be transformed. Allow the Spirit of God to move in you. Allow the Spirit of God to give you revelation of his word. And start to walk in these things. Start to mature and grow spiritually. That's why we do this podcast. So that way we can sharpen our knowledge of God's word. And learn how to actually apply it. And not just have it for the sake of education. We educate ourselves on God's word for the sake of being able to live it out and be the men and women that God has called us to be for the times that we're living in. So I hope that this has been a blessing to you. And if it has, go ahead and click the like button. Go ahead and um, subscribe to this channel, to this podcast, and share it with somebody that will be blessed by it. And I look to see you on the next one. Until then, God bless you.